Hello and welcome to Eavesdropping at the Movies. I'm Mike. And I'm Jose. And today we've seen Priscilla. Yes. Uh, the second um, Elvis-based biopic recently, because obviously there was Elvis. Yes, which I loved. I loved the last Lurman one. I have slept through lots of that. Um, I was awake completely through this. This is um, written and directed right. by Sofia Coppola, and it's based on uh, Priscilla Presley's memoir, Elvis and Me, which was published in 1985. Priscilla Presley's still going. She's 78 years old, right. and she serves as an executive producer on this. Right. Not that I'm sure that means all that much, but this is a film with her backing, I guess. Yes. Um, I thought it was really interesting. Um, I mean, I loved it, though. It's so interesting to compare it to the Austin Butler film, and I'm just going to talk a little bit about it because you mentioned, because you said you slept through it, and that one was like so rousing and energetic and colourful and, mm. yeah... Uh, and with a lively, energized, sexy Elvis, whereas this is really kind of grim, creepy, disturbing. Yeah, it kind of his it, his version of Elvis. You mean uh, Priscilla's version of Elvis? Yeah. Yes, yeah, so Jacob Elordi plays yeah. Elvis in this. Uh, and so, and and the film is like it begins creepy, and it ends really sad. So it's not like a how do you call it an audience. Pleaser, I don't think. Mm. Though, though I do think it's. I mean, I love Sofia Coppola, and I think this is, to me, a really fascinating film. Might be a great film, really. It's it's very Sofia Coppola, in the female protagonist is one thing, but I think really what I associate with Coppola a lot is that kind of inside track on what fame is really like the difference between the surface and the depth of fame you mm. know her films have so often been thought of as superficial yeah and it's and it's not that they're about the surface mm. and they're about the relationship between the surface and what it hides and you know and i think because she grew up in a famous family with incredibly successful relatives her dad's francis Ford coppola and she will have grown up around hollywood in particular you can mm. you can certainly see like that being so she's like she's an, she's an expert on that yeah. <laughs> but, but also i think she brings something to cinema that really nobody else does. Well, maybe Greta Gerwig now. But, you know, I see her cinema as girly. Yeah, but girly in the best sense, yeah? Mm. That, um, you know, she 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 understands adolescent girls. She's been one. She sees, you know, the pleasures and the, well, you know, uh, the fascinations or, you know, what fascinates these young women and the sexuality and the longing and, you know, things that you're not really very much used to seeing in cinema. Mm. But also you, you're you shown that with a distance, yeah, and a sophisticated understanding of it, yeah? It's not, it's not that the film is girly, so to speak, mm. yeah? It's that the perspective is is It's one. a female gaze. Yeah, it's a, it, and a particular kind of female yeah. gaze, because... You know, it's not all women who would be interested in surfaces, in clothes, mm -hmm. in eyelashes, in, you know, how clothes hang or fit, in interior decor. This is a film that is interested in all of those things that kind of and puts them to use. Right. And actually, I thought it was interesting because, you know, the clothes are not particularly beautiful. In fact, they often hang very poorly on Priscilla. Yeah, mm -hmm. they're kind of 
if they're too tight in the wrong places or they're too baggy. Yeah, she's a, a, a woman who's overwhelmed by these clothes, right? Mm. Uh, but that's kind of made to be something very expressive. She's not allowed to choose her clothes. Yeah, well, yeah. that's the, all this focus on on the eyelashes and the thing, uh, painted nails and the clothes. It's not shown as something that she is hugely interested in, you know. But it's about what she's being made to look like. Yeah, her becoming what Elvis wants. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and that and that scene where um, he takes her shopping, and you know they, they uh, evaluate what she looks like in various dresses. It comes down to his point of view on her, and there's and there's there's him sat there, the big I am declaring what he thinks and his you know gang of his entourage of just hangers on in sunglasses agreeing with him and saying this and the other and and no women giving their opinions on yeah. What, yeah. <laughs> well i mean yeah the women really don't matter in this world at all yeah exactly you know well, the film begins so this is really great opening i think that montage of and it starts with you know painted nails on mm. on toes and um and kind of trinkets and eyelashes and things like this and it's like it's a collection of things. Things are about being looked at, you know, things to be looked at. And it's not just cosmetically altered body parts, but it's, you know, trinkets around the house and things mm. like that. And it's just a collection of things that make up Graceland and make up um, Priscilla's life, you know, at the point where she's, you know, with Elvis and is in Graceland. And, and you, it's like, well, Priscilla is, is one of these now. Mm. Well, that's what the film ultimately is going to get to is like Priscilla becomes one of these trinkets mm. as important as she could be to Elvis and I, I kind of I believe every moment that he says that he loves her and that she means something to him I kind of I believe him and I believe mm. he believes it but he also he doesn't see it from her perspective well he's I mean I think what the film makes uh, I, I think the film's great contribution, in a way, to a kind of a cultural discourse is the representation of Elvis, right? So the film is called Priscilla, but it shows us an aspect of Elvis that, you know, we probably all suspected. I mean, isn't it weird that a guy starts dating a 14-year-old, right? When he's and 10 years old. When he's 10 years older. And also, so much of his appeal was about him being at ease with his sexuality yeah mm. kind of you know his clear kind of love of sex yeah i was in this one it's so interesting because jacob lordy doesn't move well right so his movements aren't fluid right and so what you see him is having lots of sex yeah except with priscilla right um you hear about his affairs you hear about his affairs with other women. Yeah, yeah and but he's not sexy yeah so you can see her desire for him he's very good looking he's very tender and for most of it he's very respectful yeah like you know um too respectful i mean this is the thing is it's it's a it's a surprisingly sexless film yes um i mean i i, I didn't know very much about priscilla presley i you know knew of her but she was married to elvis for quite a short period of time six years i think um and she hasn't been a figure that I've grown up with, mm. um, and like, a, and the imagery and the iconography around her, I don't think, I don't get the feeling it's like especially associated with her, although she's kind of was I'm, part of it. There are moments like you know some of the photographs are you know precise reproductions, and you recognise them instantly. Sure. You know the wedding photos and so on, but actually my uh, sense of Priscilla, and I did grow up mm -hmm. with, you know, fan magazine photos of them you know, was that 
that she was taller, that she, you know, she was willowy, that, you know, she was, you know, she was a real beauty, yeah? Mm. Uh, whereas in this film, I mean, uh, you know, she's very attractive, but it comes across as a little girl, a bit short, short-waisted, you know, short-legged, mm. right? And, of course, the contrast between her and Jacob Elordi is like symbolic, right? Because there's such a difference between them as well. Yeah, kind of, he's so tall. He's so tall in comparison yeah. to her that kind of he, um, what's the word? Towers over Towers her. over her. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this thing about the film being being kind of sexist was, was, was I suppose, a, a surprise to me because I just didn't know anything about, about her life. And, and I was just reading as well that it, it's supposedly true and she claims in her memoir that um, they didn't sleep together until their wedding night. Mm. Um, it also says that that claim has been contested by a biographer, but so mm. who knows? But that's what the film shows. Yeah. And um, I mean, I, it was. I did think it was interesting that she so clearly desires Elvis, mm. and 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 he's the one who's saying, no, 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 it, it, it needs to be special, it needs to be this and the mm. other, and you're too young. He says at the start. Yes. Um, and we see a couple of scenes where you know she clearly wants physical intimacy with him that he withholds from. And then, and then before you know it, you know, well, as soon as they're married, they pretty much have a baby immediately, mm. you know? And I'm like, oh, I, I kind of, I suppose I expected that moment of physical intimacy when they finally have sex to be a moment that was represented somehow in the film. It's not. I it's not. It, it passes. But do you think that was weird? Well, I thought it was interesting. I didn't think it was weird because the thing is, so much of the film is him saying, oh, this has to be a sacred moment for me, yeah. right? And, of course, he's making a distinction, which is not stated in the film, but it's clearly expressed, between her being a good girl and a good woman and all the sluts he's sleeping around with, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, for him, that's important, but it's also an element of control because, mm. you know, she, that point that you were referring to where she says, you know, I also have needs, right? And mm-hmm. Kind of, you know, my needs don't need to contradict your reading of the Bible or whatever it is he's reading. Uh, but the fact is that throughout the film, we never see her once sexually satisfied. Mm. Yeah, kind mm-hmm. of. He's always either withholding, well, he's almost always withholding. Yeah, kind of. You know, you hear of tons of affairs, uh, but actually, most of what you see is him uh, jousting about with his male friends. Like, he, he's clearly a boy's boy. Mm. And he loves being with his mates and whatever. And, you know, her role is to be the wife waiting for him at home, you know, doing what good wives are meant to do, which is like respond to the man's every need, really, whenever he wants. That's why he wants her there and doesn't want her elsewhere. He wants her always to be on call. Right? Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's and the fact that she has never had a boyfriend before and is so much younger than he is, is part of that control. And you, But I think you, it, it's interesting that you never get the sense that this is like a plan. He's not like a nefarious figure who's who's decided that a young woman will be someone I can control. But it's, it's just a consequence of the difference in their ages and that's something that he's happy with. Yeah. The fact that she can be handled in these ways. Cause, and then ultimately the resolution of the film, the film finishes with her finally standing up for herself to the point where she leaves. Mm. But you also... You also get the sense that he's vulnerable. I mean, we see him being vulnerable, Mm. right? And we also, we are also shown how he himself is controlled by so many other forces. You're always seeing him on the phone and he always ends up doing what he doesn't want to do. 
Yeah, the mm-hmm. scripts, the music, nothing is what he wants, really. And it's almost like, you know, Priscilla becomes the only thing in his life. Yeah. And he has control over. That he well, has. it's true, because that's something that develops. That's not the way he is at the start. It's in the later stages of the film, you get those repeated scenes of him on the phone with a few references to the Colonel, mm-hmm. who's obviously such a key figure in the other Elvis film. Um, and that, and so we just get that, that, that sense of control that from someone from the other end of the phone can tell him what to do. And that's when he also says, these scripts are shit, these songs are shit, why mm. is nothing going my way? Mm. Um, but yeah, as you say, like, he, the one thing he can lash out at at that point is Priscilla, he throws a fucking chair at her head for basically saying the same thing he has, mm. which is, I'm not convinced by this song, mm. you know? I mean, that's a, I thought that was a very weird scene. I'm not struggling to get a, a handle on it, I suppose, because, you know, they, they play a couple of songs. He says, no, 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 these are, these are terrible, these are terrible. And then he asks her opinion... She gives it, not as forcefully as he's given it. He basically said this is shit, and she's like, oh, I'm not convinced. But she's not used to being asked her opinion anyway. Like, why is he mm. speaking to me about this? I've never been involved in this before. And then the moment that she gives it, um, an opinion which he essentially agrees with, she gets a chair thrown at her head. I, I, I didn't feel that the chair was thrown at her. No, but near. Yeah, I thought that you know the chair was an expression of rage and frustration that ended up near here, near her, and both she and he are appalled by that, yeah? Mm. But it's also part, and I think the script is so clever, because you see him hitting her, and it does look accidental, yeah? Like, I mean... He, when they're fighting in bed with the in pillows, bed, yeah. and, he, and she hits him a little harder yeah. than he's expecting, and he lashes back. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so there's first that, secondly, there's the incident with the chair... And then there's really a, a kind of an almost sexual assault in the, the hotel. Vegas hotel room. Yeah. So there is a progression in that, really. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, the last thing, which is really the end of the marriage, is also a result of, you know, the pill taking, the constant separation, and the realization that she is like another woman, that she's not this innocent little child anymore. So, mm. you know, he, he treats her like he would, you know, any of the other women. Mm. I thought. Yeah. And uh, th- that, that point at the end as well comes around the time that she... Um, uh, the, thing about, the thing about sex as well, when it comes to the affairs, is, you know, we're talking about affairs, but the film doesn't show them as... It shows them as reports in newspapers. Yes. And she asks him, and he's always denying it. Well, um, he, no, he... he no, uh, that's true. That's true. He, sa- he says... Yeah, it means no- several of them, actually. He, that's true. It's, it's not the same. He says, uh, it's, he says it's not the same, and it means nothing. Yeah. But he doesn't th- thoroughly deny it. That's but true. also, he says, if you at the very beginning, before they even married or anything, he says, if you want to be my girl, you have to learn to accept this. Yeah, you have to know that these sorts of things are going to happen. Yeah. But then she, um, what we see later on, is her... Um, engaging in her own affair, even though it's shown kind of lightly and mildly, but it's her with this this karate instructor. Yes. And it's a touch on the arm and a clear affection for him. Yes. Um, and, you know, that's kind of all you need to, to imply mm. this. Um, and, I mean, I, I don't know, I, can't, I suppose I can't remember it clearly, but was the implication, or did you feel there was an implication that Elvis knew about that? And that's the reason that he... Um, is so aggressive with her in the in the room that night because not, that's because he say something like this is how a real man makes love something like that yeah and it's like this this like ten years of or not ten years but it's a long time yes yeah, more than ten years in fact of um of basically not showing Priscilla mm. the affection and the desire mm. that she wants 
And as soon as her infidelity begins, then it comes out. Yeah, I mean, it's not. I I think the film suggests it, so it's not. It's also not clear, but it, you know, it's clearly suggested that she's now open to other people in a way that she hadn't been before. So that might be, you know, a response to Elvis having heard something. Um, but it's also interesting that you know, I mean that that sexual aggression is also a kind of inadequacy. It expresses an inadequacy. Yeah, a need for mastery. You know, kind of, I don't know, a better lover, whatever, would have thought, well, you know, how do I please her? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, rather yeah. than, you know, kind of, how do I just uh, get off uh, using this body? Um, and possibly as quickly as possible, too. So, so, yeah, it's a very, very interesting projection. I think the film is fascinating kind of visually, yeah, the way that it suggests certain things. Um, so, you know, the way that, um, I mean, there's really kind of only one massive close-up of Jacob Elordi, right? And that's when he's at his most threatening. Yeah, I, I don't know if you noticed. Otherwise, it's like, you know, you see him in medium close-up or you see him in kind of long shot, really. Uh, but, you know... Which kind... moment are you thinking of? I can't um, remember. I'm thinking the moment where he threatens her, two thirds of the way through the film. Yeah, I think I think before they're married, you know, where he tells her to go. Yeah. Um, oh right, when he's in his office. I think so. Um, there's just that one huge close-up mm. uh, from below. Yeah, but kind of a large close-up. Well, the, the you know the only one like that in the whole film, mm. and it's when he's at his at his most threatening. Well, he's at his most threatening and most powerful. Yeah, because you could argue that, you know, he's at his most threatening when he tries to yeah. sexually assault her. But, you know, but also you do feel in that moment that actually his attempt at assaulting her is a failed... It's quite potency. a weak one. And yeah. he, he's, I think, get the impression he's drunk high and, and not that can't physical, get it up. Right. <laughs> yeah. So he's jumping on her, but he can't really get it up. No, I know what uh, you mean. So but it's interesting that that thing about the difference in their heights is so key throughout the film because there's a thing that could come out of that difference of um, the the guy being so much taller, which is like a protective thing. Mm. You know, and some some women really respond to that in a in a very positive way. They like that feeling of being protected, being sure. looked after. But I don't think that's something you ever get, even though he is tender and things like that. When the height difference is made apparent that's not a feeling i think you ever get it is always just the most vaguely threatening it could be like when like when she eventually comes to graceland you know because they have this kind of on-off thing and then for a long time they don't see each other she eventually comes to graceland and when she arrives he can essentially gets her pinned by the wall and even though it's friendly and you know mm. how are you and i haven't seen you and i like you and, but he's got his hand you know, on the wall, she's next to the wall and he's above her. And it's just like he is, it's a control thing. He's in sure. control of that moment. And it's not a protective, tender, lovely, it's it's just very slightly imposing. Although he's not an imposing, I mean, he's not built, right? He's slim, thin mm. everything. But that height thing never goes away. Yeah. And the control thing never goes away. I mean, you know, you get the sense that even he brings her to Graceland, not so much to be with her, Though there's an element of he does want to be with her, but also so that his family could keep her pure, <laughs> keep her under watch, mm. right? It's no accident that you know the school she goes to is a is a uh, a Catholic girls' school, uh, and you know she is 
often on her own, but, you know, within the house, uh, you get the feeling that Vernon, the father, is not really nice, yeah? Mm -hmm. Um, And again, you know, kind of, this is not the place for you. Move over there. You're not allowed here, right? Like, kind of, even the grounds of the house are kind of policed. And you get the feeling that the main reason for her being there is to keep her pure for marriage, really. Yeah. Mm. Um, you know, she she is the the girl he wants to marry, uh, and her having been a fourteen year old schoolgirl is not unrelated to that. Mm. But the thing, yeah. So the thing about marriage, th- those scenes that, that we see a couple of, where um, Priscilla wants to get intimate with him when they're in bed together, and he refuses, and there is this repeated line or idea of you know when the time's right mm. and then the and, and then also we, i've got to choose the time right yeah exactly that. i have to decide when when the time's right um and you know for, and i'm thinking that yeah like the, they will have sex when he decides they're ready and everything but then when the moment comes when you get the time was right it's not about sex mm. well not 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 on the surface of it it's about marriage mm. right he presents her with a wedding ring and so, like, and clearly, it's kind of tied together. But um, you know, the idea of, of marriage, and therefore we will sleep together. But I don't know. I, I, I again, maybe that's maybe that's just what you have to kind of get in tune with. Like I say, I was expecting that. That I was expecting their first physical intimacy, their having sex for the first time. To be a moment, but I guess it's for him. It's it's all about the marriage, and it's tied together with marriage, and so that's the film's sort of implication. But the film is not about that. I mean, I think in in some ways, you know, what the film is about, or one of the things that's so moving about it, is how they're both caught up in the gender roles of their time, mm-hmm. right? You know, so I mean, he is also kind of performing the good old boy that is ex- that he is expected to be, right? Like mm-hmm. kind of. You know, very polite, very nice, but really at at his greatest ease with his mates, you know, mm-hmm. kind of playing or, you know, or shooting guns. It's also the, the choices are significant. Playing football, shooting guns, or, you know, being rowdy, roughhousing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, so, and she's shown with her music, with her papers, with her clothes, with her eyelashes, with, yeah, often kind of, you know, in empty bedrooms waiting for the man to, you know, pose the question, really, yeah. Yeah, well, there's uh, a whole segment of the film where she's at Graceland having moved there, and he's not there, and she's just waiting. And all that kind of promise that we've had, like, she's been with Elvis in West Germany, where they meet, um, and they, you know, hang out t- together a lot there. And then she visits Graceland, and it's terribly exciting, and he takes her to Vegas, and it's even more exciting. But then when she moves there, and be- she becomes a permanent fixture, he's nowhere to be seen. Yeah. You know, the excitement doesn't need to be there. And it will, from his perspective, she's there now. He doesn't need to, like, that kind of wooing and that kind yeah. of thing, I suppose, is, is less necessary. She's now the fixture that he wants her to be. She's there for him to come back to, yeah. and he can't imagine that she's got a mind and needs and so on and desires of her own Mm. it's like you know it's as if him returning home should fulfill all her needs all her desires yeah like you know he uh he just can't imagine her having desires outside of him yeah yeah uh which is i think why the film is so great actually you know it's uh i mean and the more i think about it the greater it becomes because you know 
you think of Elvis roughhousing with the boys is kind of rhymed at the end, you know, when they they split up. And you could see how friendly and loving she is with the women in the house. Hmm. Yeah, kind of, you know, she kisses the grandmother and the cook, uh, which I think is, is, is significant and plays through, you know, with the other themes in, in, in the film. Um, of which, you know, what's significant is also, I think, in the presentation of Elvis, that kind of contrast between uh, him with the boys and him on stage alone. Yeah, kind of, mm. you know, uh, you, also, you also see him figured as like a lone figure in the crowd, right? So there's the three things, you know, the him being pictured with the boys, him being pictured almost always awkwardly with her, yeah, and him being alone in relation to a crowd. Yeah, the Elvis uh, 1968 special, mm -hmm. you know, the bits where you see him performing on stage on tour, yeah, he is always like on his own, mm. you know, the only the only different shot is that moment where he's not even hiding that he's sleeping with other people. So you see him answering the phone and there's clearly another woman yeah, on the bed on his bed. Mm. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I think a, a kind of an interesting choice of clearly uh, very deliberately chosen shots. Yeah. Mm. A word maybe about the music, because I loved it. I love the use of the music until the end. So all those early 1950s hits at the beginning of the film. So, sorry, all those mid-50s poppy rock hits, uh, which are so, I don't know, so teenager and sweet and, mm. yeah, kind of, it, they're so well chosen. Uh, and uh, what, you know, I thought the choice of Dolly Parton and I Will Always Love You, which I, I love the song, uh, it was a bit cheesy. I mean, I found it yeah. moving. It moved me because the song always moves me. But actually, it was the song that was moving me, not the scene in relation to the song. Yeah, mm -hmm. I thought the song, that choice of song was too much. Yeah, I know what you mean. It, it, it stood out. Yeah. Yeah. Um... My God, it held my interest, right? And that is something because it's it's a slow-moving film, Yeah with kind of very carefully kind of framed and composed and edited, but it's not afraid to linger on things, mm. right? I mean, um, there was a scene in a swimming pool where, you know, there was a splash and it's almost like the edit waited until the splash had mm. fully extended, right? Like the film wasn't in a hurry to go anywhere, right? And it's a film about loss and you know, kind of the end of a marriage, really. Yeah. Uh, and about dissatisfaction and about how, you know, what you expected glamorous star life to be ended up a disappointment, right? Um, so, you know, it's a, yeah, you can argue that it's a bit of a downer, really. Uh, as opposed to Elvis, where, you know, for me, it was just a thrill to see Austin Butler move, really. It was mm. like, you know, very energetic and sexy and so on. So that a film like this could really hold your attention and linger in the mind and reverberate. And, you know, I think it's really quite an achievement. Yeah. Uh, Katie, Katie Spaney is the actress who plays Priscilla here. Mm. Who I've never seen before. Um, I don't know if she's been in very much before, but... Um, yeah, she was wonderful. She was in Bad Times at the El Royale. We saw that. I don't know. She was Rose Summer Spring. Doesn't ring a bell. Mm. But um, 
she was very good in this. I mean, I thought she was remarkable, actually. She's kind of, she's remarkably beautiful. And, I mean, you also see, you, know, you get the feeling from, from Elvis's point of view, why he would see this girl and be taken by her, mm. you know. Um, and she does, she does a great job of modulating her performance between basically incredibly young, naive, full of desire and excitement and everything being new to her, up to... You know, which is like innocence and experiencing of like getting everything she wants and mm. finding it wanting and eventually um, becoming someone who will stand up for herself and leave. Mm. I think she does a, a really great job of, of developing that performance mm. and changing it over the course of the film. I think it's also worth mentioning Jacob Elordi because in Saltburn, he's so warm and sexy, you know, and it's kind of like a star-making performance. Arguably, he was already one from TV's Euphoria. But I think this is a real performance. It would have been too easy, yeah, to make Elvis, like, you know, super sexy and warm and likable and so on. And, you know, the performance is full of awkwardnesses and silences and that are both physical, yeah, and also, like, um, I mean, it's not just that his gaze is at a distance, it's... You know, the things that he also kind of does with his body and his movement and, yeah, you know, kind of, you know, the, the, the way he walks. Obviously, it's all helped by the mise-en-scene, by how he's filmed. Mm. Yeah. But I think, you know, there's also a consciousness to that that I think is really quite amazing. So, you know, just to signal that, you know, these are his last two films. And in one, you know, it's a real glamorous film star performance. And in this one, I think it's a real actor's performance. So, you know, someone to watch out for. Hmm. I just think it's a really, really well put together film. This, I think, I, I, I think that you know, it's, 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 it's really the best of filmmaking in that the film is never really ambiguous as to what it's saying or, or the kind of things it wants you to feel. But there is an awful amount of room for interpretation as mm. well in the scenes that it shows you and what does a, what does a, what does a particular movement mean mm. or what does a particular shot. I mean, how is it relating to any other? Like, you can you can develop your own interpretations of you know really the specific meanings and and how the relationships are developing and stuff. But it's but it's not overall thoroughly ambiguous. Mm. Like it's pretty clear about what it's talking about. Mm. I think that's really I think that's actually really that's really accomplished mm. filmmaking. Guys. Yes, it is. I really enjoyed it. And part of my question was, you know, I'm I'm enjoying this film that it seems both slow. And also, that is a downer, right? Yeah, which is kind of, uh, uh, you know, interesting in itself. So, and and it's a film also that the more I think about it, it's like in just thinking through the various aspects, the greater it becomes. Yeah? Mm-hmm. So there's, you know, the experience of, of watching, you know, which I, I enjoyed very much, and I was surprised by my enjoying it, yeah, and then kind of there's the process of the thinking through that we're doing now, which makes it kind of grow in my estimation. Yeah, it's re- I think it's brilliant. Really good film. All right, but on that note, uh, we highly recommend. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you very much uh, for listening. We're eavesdropping at the movies, and we are on. Apple Podcasts, Audible, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and YouTube. On social media, we're on Facebook and Twitter, at eavesdropmovies, and Blue Sky, eavesdropping.bsky.social. And the website is eavesdroppingatthemovies.com. Thank you very much. Thank you very much.